I want to speak to you just, and I'm going to try to really whittle this thing down real quickly. I want to speak to you today about the foundation of fatherhood, and uh, it can make a man's life richer and fill his life with joy and laughter and give a man a real sense of gratification and lasting achievement in fatherhood. And I realize there's men here today that you're not married, you're not a dad yet, but yet at the same time that fatherhood is a topic that that's God's will for you, God's will that you be complete. And there's no more worthwhile or valuable or significant mission that a man could undertake than to be able to start and cultivate a family. As a father, as a dad, you get to shape, you have the privilege along with the responsibility of shaping another human being's life to a greater extent than any other relationship on earth. That's why fatherhood is so important and God created and set his order up in that way. As a father or as a mentor to other young men, they don't have to be your true sons, they can be your grandchildren. You have the opportunity to set your children or ones that you mentor on a pathway of true greatness or in the worst case, to wound them more deeply than anybody else in their life. The reality of being a father and cultivating a family, it's not easy. It's not easy in the generation and the time we're living in. It's probably more difficult than ever before because of the family being uh, fractured and under attack by the enemy as it is today. And, you know, many times fathers, young fathers, find themselves uh, in a family, in a situation before you even realize what you've gotten yourself into. You get married and all of a sudden you have a child and you're staring the face of this little baby girl or boy in the hospital and you're wondering, what in the world am I going to do now? I don't know what to do with this life that's been entrusted to me. Or maybe you've been trying to, you've struggled to figure out how to get your child to just obey you and do their homework through grade school. That's always a wonderful challenge. And then sometimes some of you have entered in and some of you are beyond this and you're thanking God you're beyond it. But some of you are at the point where you have a teenager who argues about every point of life. Doesn't matter what it is. Something about a teenager, they all of a sudden have all wisdom and knowledge in the world and their parents become absolutely idiots or morons and don't know anything. I remember that stage in my life, and when I got born again at the age of 18 and then 19 years old, I went back to my parents at 3169 North Truist Hills Road and sat down before them and said, Mom and Dad, I was wrong. You were right. That blew their mind. That, that was better than telling them I got saved and everything else that Jesus saved me because they knew something happened for me to admit that to them, that they were right and I was wrong, and, and I was sorry for all the hardship that I gave them as a young person. And what happens with us as fathers and, and parents growing up, and this applies to women too, mothers, that by the time you figure out how to connect with your children at the level that they're at, all of a sudden they're transitioning into another stage of, of, of maturity which has its own unique challenges and you're just getting used to the way they were and now they've shifted into another stage and you're trying to play catch up. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Your parents or grandparents are trying to help the young people. By the time that, you know, our culture doesn't offer a lot of guidance sometimes, it says in 1954, 4% of children were born outside of marriage. That was a very low percentage back then, even though that was still not good. 4% of children were born out of marriage in 1954. By the time 2007 came by, which is 12 years ago, more than 40% of all children born are born out of wedlock and marriage. 
without a father, without an actual father at home. They're called baby daddies. It's a term that we, we uh, know today. It's even entered into the dictionary now. It's defined as a man who fathers a woman's child out of wedlock. The opposite of a baby daddy would be a father. A father is viewed as one who, regardless of his relationship with a mother, is present in the life of his child and provides whatever he needs to provide. You know, God help us to not have baby daddies, but have men that will step up to the plate and take care of their responsibilities. Growing up, children that grow up in fatherless homes, there's a lot of statistics I could throw at you today, but I won't do that. But some of the things that it tells us about children growing up in fatherless homes is that, number one, they're more likely to be poor themselves. Number two, they have behavioral problems. They, they don't accept discipline well. They don't respect men and they don't respect women because they have a difficult time. They, thirdly, they're convicted more, more than not. They're convicted of a crime and having to face uh, either jail or penitentiary time. And fourth, that they're they become abused, and they're becoming abuser themselves of drugs and unhealthy lifestyle. But it says the opposite about children who grow up in homes that have a father present. Number one, they're more likely to make better grades. I don't know how that works exactly, but just probably the stability of the home. Uh, number two, they're more emotionally secure because there's a mother and a father. And I realize we live in such a fractured culture today that single parenting, even within the church, is, is, is becoming more common. And actually, we have a group that is studying this on the family because, wow, we want to we back up and take a new, fresh approach to ministering to you as families because the family dynamics have changed so much nowadays. We need to take a new approach and take a biblical approach to help prepare and equip you to deal with the family dynamics that we're, be, that we're being faced with today. So we're working on that presently here at the church, and hopefully we're going to be sharing that a little bit later. It won't be next week or anything anything like that. We're putting our heads together and praying about this. But we want you to experience families that are more emotionally secure. And then thirdly, it says about children that grow up in homes with a father present, typically the kids are less, less, less sexually active and yet more physically fit and able to take care of themselves. What we need in today's culture what we need in American society and culture is we need men that are willing to embrace the long road of building and cultivating a family. Family was first before the church came. God created Adam and Eve. God's the one that performed the first ceremony for them in the garden. Ladies, you didn't have to do anything for that. Eve didn't have to do anything for that wedding. God put them in a perfect garden with perfect surroundings, and God himself performed the ceremony and put them together and called them man and wife and blessed them. And God said, this is good. You know, the only thing God said wasn't good was when Adam was alone. But there's some biblical foundations for uh, fatherhood that I want to share with you this morning. I want to be brief, but yet I don't want to try to rush too much. Number one, the family was God's idea. Now, the world doesn't see it that way. They're attacking the family, but you and I as believers in the Lord, we've got to realize this thing about family, it's God's idea. It's going to be eternal and lasting forever. The family uh, is important to realize today that we live in a culture that views kids or children as a nuisance. That's why abortion is so accepted and acceptable in so many people's minds because they don't have a culture, a kingdom mindset, and a culture of the Lord. 
And they think abortion is just okay to get rid of a child because it's an unwanted pregnancy or a, a slip-up or a mistake or an accident or whatever they term it as. They view it as it's just a fetus. It's not a human being. Thank God for ministries like CareNet that actually can show a pregnant woman this is a live human being in your body through ultrasound. Thank God. Thank God for that because most women that see that change their mind about abortion and say, no, I will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will just go through the long haul of this and have this child. In Genesis 2, 24, God said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they will become one flesh. Guys, we got to leave the parents. You don't run home when something's gone wrong. You don't send your wife back to her parents. You don't say, fix her. She, uh, she wasn't fixed when I got her. You fix her and send her back to me. No, we leave our father. We leave our mother. and We're whole together as one flesh. God creates this blessing in this institution that we call marriage. As a matter of fact, the church is a picture of what the family is supposed to be like. And God calls children a gift, not a nuisance, not something that's in the way, not a burden upon a family. Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord. They are the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. God doesn't see children as an obstacle to parents or adult freedom. God does not see children as a burden to an income. It may be a challenge, but God doesn't see them as a burden. And God doesn't see children as a distraction to what's really important. God calls children a gift, a heritage, a reward. And fatherhood needs to be restored as an honor in our culture, not as just a responsibility in a list of things to do and be accomplished. Well, I go to work, I cut the grass, I do this, I do that, and I have to raise these kids. Fatherhood is an honor because it gives you and I the privilege to eternally invest in the life of a human being to develop them. You heard what these parents said today, how they love their sons, how they've invested time in them, and, and, and what a blessing that their children had been to them. Secondly, father is a God-given commission. In military terminology, a commission refers to an area of responsibility that's entrusted to either an officer or a soldier who's given authority and responsibility to, to both act and lead. Commissioned officers are trusted with the welfare, the morale, and the development of those that are given under their care. God has commissioned and entrusted fathers with an incredible task of nurturing guiding and equipping their children for life through the high and the low points of life. And this commission is directly taught throughout all of Scripture. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go. The Amplified adds, Teaching them to seek God's wisdom and God's will for their abilities and talents. And even when they're older, they won't depart from it. That is not an ironclad, ironclad guarantee that just because you teach your children, they're going to always serve the Lord. But when you put something, when you put the right things into your young person, when you sow the right seed into them, they will never be able to get away from the truths, the eternal truths that you've sowed into their lives. Now, they have a will, and they have a choice whether they're going to serve the Lord, and God respects that. That's part of being created in the image of God. But when you sow the right thing in them, they may be doing and living the wrong lifestyle, but in the recesses of their conscience and their soul, they know they're not doing the right thing, and they, they know that they need to get it right with the Lord. 
Secondly, Proverbs says in Proverbs 29, 17, correct your children and they'll give you comfort. Well, sometimes when correct, it's not just discipline, and we're not talking about beating, and we're not talking about abuse, but correcting your children means teaching them the right way. Teach your children there's consequences for doing wrong. That's the greatest way to teach them. There's a consequence for every action, for every choice you and I make. There is always a consequence. And children need to learn there's consequences. Sometimes, parents, we're so willing for our children to be blessed and we love them so much, sometimes we bail them out of the consequences that they need to learn. I know I'm messing with you, but some of you need to let your children suffer some of the consequences for their decisions or they'll never learn that there's consequences. That's what's wrong with a lot of the world today. They don't think there's any consequence for a bad or poor decision. Well, I just felt like doing it so I can do it. Well, you do it and there's consequences for it. You need to learn that as a child. I learned there's consequences. One time I was trying to fix the handlebars on my bike. And I was a kid, I was a preteen kid, and I couldn't get it quite straightened out, and I didn't have the strength to do the wrench enough. And my dad just kind of stepped in and, and saw I was struggling, but he didn't ask, he didn't offer, he just took it over, and I got mad because I wanted to do it. Well, I got mad, and I, I was stubborn, and I was headstrong, and I was everything, not good. And I went in my bedroom, and I threw myself on the bed, and Mom came into my bedroom and, and saw, saw that I was pouting. And uh, she was doing something in my room, and she said, what's, what's wrong with you? And I said, that old, and I called my dad a name, which is the name for a fatherless child. I called him a, to my mother. My mom didn't say anything. She finished up what she was doing in my room. She walked out before I could breathe the next breath. My father was standing over me. He turned me every way but loose. I suddenly had a great revelation and inspiration that I've never forgotten all my life. They are on the same team, boy. You don't talk about mom and you don't talk about dad. Not out loud. You may think it, but you better not let it come out of your mouth, boy. I learned a valuable lesson. There's consequences. There's consequences for your words. There's consequences for your actions. There's consequences for your attitude. And I know we've all had lessons and opportunity to learn that, but learn it. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it talks about the family. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Again, the Amplified says, accept your parents' guidance and discipline as God's representative in your life. When you don't accept your parents as God's representative in your life, it's called rebellion. And it goes on to say, for this is right. Honor or esteem and value your mother and father. Be respectful to them. For this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may have long life on the earth listen your parents brought you into this world your parents may want to take you out of this world you better honor them of course they wouldn't do that you know sometimes if they could get away with it they may have thought about it but they don't do it but God the word says this is the first promise from scripture this is the first commandment with a promise you it will go well with you if you'll honor your father and mother it won't go well with you if you disrespect them because you learn disrespect towards the Lord. The Lord loves us no matter what we do, but yet if you get on God's wrong side, you're not going to have God's blessings. He goes on to say, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. How do you do that? Don't exasperate them to the point of resentment develops in their heart. 
because of demands that are trivial or unreasonable or even humiliating to your children. But bring them up, and here's, here's the definition of that. Bring your children up. Fathers, bring your children up tenderly and with loving kindness. There were tears shared this, today here from fathers. That is so good. That is so right. That is so right for a son to see his father be able to cry about his son and towards his son because he loves his son. That is so good. And it's healthy. It's normal. We, some of us were raised, you know, in the generation we were raised, you know, men don't cry. Men don't show their emotions. That is a lie. Jesus cried. Jesus showed his emotions. Jesus knew how to show it and do it in the right way. The biblical scholar named Andreas Kostenberger says this, Parents need to consider themselves. They are entrusted with a temporary responsibility and a stewardship of nurturing and cultivating a child's heart and mind in light of and on behalf of God. Parents, God has given you these kids that you have temporarily for you to instruct them, for you to cultivate their heart and mind as God's representative in their life. And while children ought to obey both parents... Actually, fathers bear the responsibility for really disciplining the children. If a father doesn't discipline the children and leaves it only to the mother and doesn't back up the mother. Listen, the best thing that happened to me was my mom went and told my dad what I called him. Because, see, I heard my mom curse my dad. I heard her calling him different names when they got mad at each other. I heard that in my home. So, therefore, I thought I could do it as a kid. Well, if mom cursed him, I can tell I can tell her what I think of him too. <laughs> I found out they're on the same team, boy. That's the best thing that my mom could have done. I never, I never did that again. It taught me respect for both of them. And as a father, and as fathers, and as mentors of young men, we have an incredible gift as incredible gifts as a man to to and been given a sacred area of responsibility from which we can step into and provide life and blessings to other. The third foundation for manhood is this. Fatherhood takes intentionality. It takes a deliberateness. You cannot outsource parenting. You can't leave it up to your wife or parent, your parents to do it, the grandparents to do it. You can't leave it up to the church or the school to do it for you. It's something that you must accept as a father and as a, as a parent in your life. Good dads engage with their children. They act, they think, they learn. They learn how to connect with their children. And in your life as a father, there's some principles that are modeled by the Lord Jesus Christ that we need to adapt as men. Number one, we need to learn to reject passivity. We need to learn, secondly, to accept our responsibility. We need to learn to, number three, lead courageously. And then fourthly, we need to learn how to invest eternally. What does that mean? As men, we need to learn to reject the cultural paradigm of what's called the detached father or dad. The man who lives a passive, self-interested life, when he comes home from work, all he's interested in is peace and quiet and is remote to drive the TV shows, his games, his sports. His hobbies. Listen, men, when we come home from work, yes, we're tired. We have well spent all of our, all of our number of words that we are allotted that day. You know, men have about 25,000 words that we typically use a day. Women have 50,000 plus. Did you know that? It's true. It's proven. 
That's why we come home. How's your day? Oh, it's great. No, that's not enough, guys. They want detail. You know, women, women are going to have more words than we. You, and, and, guys, we need to be willing to come home and say, hey, I'm leaving my job, but I'm going home to the most assignment, the most important assignment God's given me. I'm going home to my family, and I'm going home to my kids. And we need to engage in that. Don't be detached, but reject passivity. Secondly, we need to learn to accept the responsibility of the sacred commission that God has given us. Lead our families in the right way. Our culture and society is so messed up because of the fatherlessness that is going on today. There are men present, but men have not taken the leadership role. They're just passive, and they let the woman take up the role. Thank God for these dads that are involved in these lives. Tarina, thank God, thank God that you're involved in your son's life. I know you, I know you don't let him get by with stuff. She, she gets them and makes them do right. So amen to that. Get them, Mom. Tear them up when they need to be tore up. Every kid in the house just say, Pastor. My mama, mama, hey, when I did something bad, I got a spanking from mom and dad. They both worked. I used to get a licking from both of them. And, and the whipping from my mom was worse than my dad. My mom didn't know which end of the belt to use, and she hit me with a buckle sometimes. It's called child abuse nowadays, but there was nobody. They didn't care if you reported it. The police said, hey, let them have it again. But mom, my mom would say, Drop the pants. Oh, man. And on bare legs with a belt. And there came a day that I got old enough, my mom said, drop the pants. I said, Mom, I said, the pants ain't coming down. You just take it like it is. And Dad came home, and she told him what happened. He said, you know, he's old enough. He's old enough to where you're embarrassing him, and that, that's worse than the whipping. You're embarrassing him, so the pants stay up, but you still have permission to whip him. So I got it. Lead courageously despite the setbacks in life. Some of y'all needed more whippings than I got. I can tell by that. And then invest eternally. Our families need to know that. Uh, we need to know that our families are God's valuable gift to us. Wise fathers focus on the heart of their child, not just the external behavior. And in order for wise fathers to focus on the heart of their child, a wise father has to focus on his heart first. If your heart has not received the grace of God, you will not know how to minister the grace of God to your children. And they need grace. As men, we, need to, as men, we, we work out of our heads and our hands, but sometimes not out of our hearts. That's why I kept saying, these tears are good down here. These dads crying over their children, that's good. That's healthy. That, that should be that way. We as men, we work harder in solving problems, making decisions, and many times we stuff our feelings, never opening our hearts. Heart-deficient fathers can be toxic to children. Heart, fathers that won't reveal their heart. Our sons and our daughters and our grandkids, they need for us to connect with them on a heart level. They need to know that we love them and they affect us emotionally and that, that we care about them. That, and if you're not in touch with your own heart, you can't be in touch with the heart of your child. And we need to see, uh, they need to see us deal with our emotions in a healthy way. They need to see when we're angry how we let the Lord help us to deal with it. When we're sad, when we have grief and sorrow and even shame. They need to see us go through life and its ups and downs and not hide it from them. We've, uh, then we can focus on our child's heart. Parents are temp typically tempted to focus only on the external behavior of their child, but the Bible emphasizes the key as, as 
I'm sorry, the Bible emphasizes the heart as the key to change and to fulfill that full and abundant life. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it come the springs the issues of life. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A noted pastor named Ted Tripp, he says this, behavior is not the basic issue. The basic issue is always what's going on in the heart of the child because the heart is the wellspring of life. Therefore, parenting is concerned with shepherding the heart of that child, shepherding the heart of the child. Remember, behavior is just an expression of what's going on in the inside. Lastly, five, wise fathers are grace-dependent. We need grace as dads. We need grace as men. We need grace as mentors. We need grace as males. Wise fathers have to recognize our own brokenness. We are broken and we need Jesus' grace. Amen. And we need Jesus' grace so that we can learn to give grace to our family members and to all others. We need to always remember Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but yet we're justified by His grace as a gift. Wise fathers know what it means to need and experience forgiveness from the Lord. Wise fathers know what it means to need uh, grace so that they can give grace to others and especially their children. Jesus speaks to us and tells us there is a link between forgiveness and showing love. In Luke uh, 7, 47, he who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven of much loves much. There's a link between forgiveness and showing love. Unless you as a father have experienced the grace of God in your life, it will be difficult for you to give grace to other people. You as a father, you as a male, you as a grandparent, you as a man that wants to mentor and and help other young men, you have got to receive the grace of God in your life, the forgiveness and the strength of the Lord. I love the definition of grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That means that no matter what we do, God still loves us. That's wonderful. But grace also has another dimension to it. Grace is the empowerment from God to do what is right in every situation. So it's both. It's both he forgives us, and no matter what we do, he will forgive us, and he will love us. But it's also the other dimension that it's his empowerment to give us the strength to live the life that we're supposed to live. We need his grace. Amen. So we need to experience God's grace for ourselves to be able to soften our heart, to be the men, to lead our families, and to lead in our culture that we're leading. I found this video yesterday on the way home from Washington, and I want you to see it. It is heart-touching, two little children sharing about their fatherlessness turned to father fatherfulness. I don't really. 
and Dad. Oh, and Poncho Dad. Oh, and then there's, there's my Willy Dad. And I'm his really daughter. And I'm his really son. It's, it's a pretty, pretty good deal, actually. actually. There are a lot of people in this world who don't have a father or who have a bad father. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe you can't even imagine being loved by a good father. But on this Father's Day, no matter your situation, we got some really great news. There's a heavenly father, and he's a really, really good daddy. And when you choose him, God adopts you into his family. And he becomes not a pretend dad, or a partial dad, or anything less than your will be dad. He becomes his really child. We may be young, but two things we know from experience. First, the love of the good father is something to treasure forever. Second, God is a good father. Being his child makes Father's Day extra special.